0: Alright, well listen, we're going to jump into the Word this morning. Some of, some of you have been on fall break. If you're a teacher or student, you've been on fall break. It's my plug for education. When you're a teacher, you still get breaks. and They're nice. Fall break is a, a wonderful time. I'm super glad that fall decided to come this year. It was a little touch and go there for a minute. Somebody said it felt like we had thrown a party for fall and he had not shown up. And so uh, some of you are in your fall clothes today. It was so nice to need a sweater. Um, It's so nice for the teenagers to finally be the appropriate weather for the hoodies that they've been wearing anyway. Um, If you have a teenager in your life, you know that they've been wearing hoodies forever, even when it was 105 degrees outside. But now it's actually the right temperature for it, and that's a little bit of a relief. But listen, fall is here and we are digging into the word today. We're doing a series on revelations called Seven Letters to Seven Churches. It is always a privilege when my pastor asked me if I would preach. Um, I consider that a great privilege. However, when I was studying to prepare this week and and he had asked me to kind of take a certain little segment of this series to teach. And I thought, really, revelation? But revelation, though? Wow, and then I read what was my kind of section, and I was like, oh, this isn't fun. I mean, couldn't we have done anything else but that? And so I sent him a little message, and I was like, teach on Revelation, you said. It'll be fun, you said, right? And it was like, you know, I mean, there's a reason that not many people teach on Revelation. It's hard. It's hard. You read it, and you're like, What? What? Brandon says, I got this. Well, here's what I know about this is that one of the, here's one of the things. There are things that we can be confident in teaching on, right? Like if you want a good um, lesson on Noah and the ark, I got you covered because I've been studying it since I w- was learning about it on a flannel board. And if you don't know what a flannel board is with the little people stick to the flannel board, then you're young or you didn't grow up in church. But Sister um, Apple. Taught me all about Noah and the ark with flannel board. She did not, however, teach on revelation. And so there are things that we can kind of confidently know from our life and we can get up and kind of confidently share about. And then when you come to a, a section of the word like this, you're reminded to be humble when teaching the word of God because it was written by God. <laughs> and it truly is something to be revered. And, and taken seriously. And so I sat down and began to read through the book of Revelation. And I decided to read all the way through, through the book of Revelation again before starting to study the certain passage that I was on. And I was just overwhelmed with the way that Jesus is revealed through it. And it is made very clear that he is who he said he is. And that he did what he said he did. And that he is coming again. And that gives us great confidence and great hope. And so while it is a crazy book to read, right, and there's some interesting things in it, it's one of those things that you read and you're like, man, I don't understand all of this, but I feel such great peace when I read it to know that God is who he says he is and he's in control and I'm not. And so we're going to approach the word of God today with just some humility and say, God, we just want you to speak through your word because it's your word and not mine. These are not the kind of verses you stitch on a kitchen towel to hang in your kitchen or cross stitch on a pillow, but these are words, the Bible says that, All Scripture is God-breathed and has a purpose for our lives, and so we dive humbly into the Word of God whenever we get the chance and the opportunity. So, Lord, we come before you today, and we thank you for your Word. God, I thank you for all of the nooks and crannies of your Word. I thank you for every part that lists a genealogy that may seem boring, to every part that is prophetic that seems hard to understand, to every beautiful Scripture that points to the salvation of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for every part of it, and we ask that you would be here in the midst of us today as we dive into your word. Well, listen, how many of you have ever had to go somewhere, so you put it in your Google Map or on your phone, and it gives you like a couple different alternate routes, right? And it says this one's 26 minutes, and this one's 27. So you're going to go with 26, right? Unless that one has a lot of stoplights, and then you're like, well... No, I can beat it, right? I can go this way. But your goal is always to beat whatever time is on there, right? If it says 28 minutes, my goal is 27, right? I want to beat the assigned time that it thinks it's going to take me, right? I want to make sure I can get there fastest, right? But it points out the most successful route for you to go through. Now, if you're one of those people, my brother is this person, he just loves to go out for a drive. I don't really understand this. If I get in the car, I want to go somewhere. But he likes to just get in the car and go for a drive. And so he was talking about how he likes to just get in and just drive around and look at things. And to me, that sounds so torturous. Like, what, where are we going? But what are we doing? And his his sweet wife used to try to do this with him. But now they've been married for a few years. And she's gotten comfortable enough to say, I have no desire to go get in the car and ride to nowhere with you. So I'm going to stay at home and do other things. And it's great, right? Because some people just like to just kind of wander and some of us like to have a plan right when we're going and so this when we look at these seven churches that are mentioned here what I love about it is it's not at all random in fact if you look at them on a map it goes like this it's a perfect it's all in order stop one stop two stop three stop I mean it goes in order there was no zigzagging all over the place it was in order And it just makes a perfect little semicircle around the provinces of Asia where the gospel was spreading. And in that, you see this perfect little semicircle, these perfect little stops on the way, and you realize that God is a God of order and not disorder. God is a God of purpose and plan, and he sees everything. We're reminded all throughout the book of Revelation, he says over and over, I, I have seen, I see, I see. He is a God who sees and a God who knows and a God who is not lazy and a God who is not haphazardly doing anything. He is a God of purpose, and he is a God of order, and that we can take comfort in, in knowing that. This is stop number two. Last week, Pastor Jeremy talked to us about the church of Ephesus, and it was a reminder of getting back to our first love in Jesus Christ and about lighting the fire of our love for Christ all over again. And then we get to stop two today in the city of Smyrna. Not the one in Middle Tennessee, but Smyrna. There's a stop there in Smyrna. And there's this little phrase I was kinda of looking at and I thought, well let's just think about it, like one stop a day, Ephesus was Monday, Smyrna is Tuesday. There's this little phrase from a blogger and it's called Tuesday You Ain't Cute. Um, because you know Mondays can be rough sometimes, but Tuesdays you ain't cute. I was talking about how Tuesday is kind of that day where it's like nothing great's happening, right? It's not Wednesday. We're not halfway done, right? It's not Thursday. We haven't almost made it to Friday. It's not the weekend yet. It's basically like, hey, you survived Monday, so here's Tuesday, right? Tuesday, you ain't cute. And I kind of thought about this journey, and we get to Smyrna, and it's kind of like a Tuesday. There's not really any good news that comes to Smyrna. <laughs> it's not like great news, but, hey, they're not in trouble, Okay, They didn't do anything wrong, so that's going for them. We get to Smyrna, and they haven't really messed things up, but it's not really good news that they're getting right off the bat. It's a little bit of a downer. In fact, it's one of those ones we might actually like to skip over because, well, suffering isn't fun. And when it comes to suffering, much like a Tuesday, we just want to get through it. We just wish we could get through it. So here we are in Smyrna. Just four little verses. And let's see what the Lord says to them. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and last who was dead and came to life. This is Jesus. Now I want to point out something interesting here. He addresses each church. The introduction is different. So to the church in Smyrna, he says, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are instead a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Well... There you go. I told you it was just real, like, just uh, the shouting. Let the shouting begin, right? (laughs) You're about to suffer. Some of you are about to be put in prison. You're poor. In fact, the word poverty here, there's several different translations. And this particular one, there's one that means, like, you kind of, you're just getting by. This one doesn't mean that. This means you got nothing. So when it says, I see your poverty, it means I see that you have absolutely nothing. But you are rich. So we're going to break this down really quickly into the beginning, middle, and end. The beginning, verse 8. How, why does Jesus choose to address the church in Smyrna by saying to them, He who is the first and last, he who was dead and came to life. Why does he choose that way to address them? Well, they're about to be going through and are currently going through some major suffering. And he very quickly lets them know, I was here before this, I will be here after this. I'm here before and I will be here after He lets them know your suffering is happening. But I was here before you suffered. I will be here after you suffered. So listen, today, at some point, if you're not going through suffering today, at some point we will. Everybody has a Tuesday. Everybody has a day, a season, a moment, a year, sometimes longer. And Jesus just wants you to know, I was here before. I'll still be here after. I'm here all in between. He who was dead is now alive and lives forever. And he lets them know right away, right away, I was here before, I'll be here after. Take comfort in that. And then we get to the middle part of this verse is where he says, I know your works, your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. You are rich. Here's the thing about, People, when we're going through hard times, man, it's real easy to see what we don't have and to lose sight of what we do have. And really quickly here, Jesus is letting them know, listen, I see what you are going through. I see the tribulation. I see the suffering. I see it. I see your poverty, but you are rich. Now, sometimes when I'm having a hard time, I don't want nobody to tell me how good I've got it, right? When I'm, when I'm going with that, I don't want anybody to tell me, well, at least you're healthy. Okay, I got it. All right, fine. I'm having a hard time right now, though. I don't need you to point stuff out to me. But it's important. God needed to point out to them, listen, I see your hardship, and I see your suffering, and I see your lack and your poverty, but you are rich in Christ Jesus. You are rich because here in the center of Smyrna, which was literally a beautiful piece of the world, beautiful and rich, chosen as the place where they worshiped Caesar. It was a place where people came and worshiped their gods. It was a place of much wealth. And yet, the Christians who were there were not just poor, they were real poor because they were persecuted. Because they refused to follow the world and worship Caesar. And they were poor. But Jesus reminds them you may be poor, but you are rich. You are rich. And listen today, whatever you're going through, Jesus wants you to know I see it. I see it. I see your suffering, I see your poverty. It may be financial. It may be a poverty in your heart. It may be a poverty in relationship. Whatever it is, Jesus sees it, and he reminds you today that you are rich in relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that is the ultimate wealth. It is a wealth that never runs out. It is a source that never runs dry. And so listen, wherever you are today, wherever you will be tomorrow, no matter how bad things get, remind yourself I am rich in Christ Jesus. Because my relationship with him is a source that will never run dry. And even on my poorest day, I have Jesus Christ. It reminds me very much of when Jesus was being tempted in Matthew chapter 4. The devil takes him away, and it says he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. And when he was hungry, that's when the devil came. It's, it's It's really crazy how it says, it says, afterwards he was hungry, now the tempter came to him. When you are hungry, that's when temptation comes. When your soul is longing for something, that's when temptation comes. When we are in a place where we are desperate for something, then that's always when the enemy shows up. Because he would like to offer us what he offered Jesus, which was turn these stones into bread. If you're hungry, feed yourself. And so here we are in a world where there are lots of things. And we have so many things, but yet so many people are starving. We have people who are, have more than they could ever imagine, and yet they are so hungry for something, and they are turning to the world, and they are filling themselves with stones that can never really be bread. And Jesus says, Man does not live by the bread of this world alone. When we are hungry, the enemy will show up, he always does. He did to Jesus, he did to the church in Smyrna, he gave them the opportunity to just switch sides, come to the rich way of life. All you have to do is worship Caesar, all you have to do is do this, and you're not going to be poor anymore, and you won't be persecuted anymore. Just give in, and Jesus reminds them that he is the bread of life are against you it says here there are those who are say they are jews but are not but are a synagogue of satan i was like what does that even mean right a synagogue of satan well here's the thing it could mean lots of different things right but there were a group of people who were jews but they were not jews who were following christ They were a religious sect of Jews, and they were kind of teamed up with the people there in Smyrna who were worshiping other gods, and they were all persecuting those who were followers of Christ. And he says, I see the people, (laughs) right? I see the people who are against you. I see them. In the same fashion in Matthew chapter 4, the devil took Jesus up to a mountain and said, throw yourself off of this because it says the angels will protect you, right? And he says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, right? He offers him, the devil offers him power and safety. And let me tell you something, there are too many Christians in this world who are selling themselves for power and safety. They want safety, they want power, and so they are moving to a place that does not no longer aligns with the word of God, but it aligns with the synagogue of Satan. And let me tell you something, there were Jews there. A lot of things can look like they are right, but they are not. He offered Jesus power and safety in that moment. And here we see the church in Smyrna that they, it says, I know those that say they are Jews but are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. He saw them out there set up against them. You ever had a hater? No? Just me? Okay. I've had one or two. I'm just saying. Sometimes I bring them on myself. It's okay. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> well, it just happens. Let me tell you something. None of us, though, have faced persecution the way the persecuted church across our world is experiencing it every day. But right here in this moment, he says, I see them. There are people who are against you. Don't give in. And then he says to them, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested. You will have tribulation 10 days. I want y'all to know I looked and looked and looked and read so many things about what 10 days means. Nobody knows. People got some good ideas. I don't know what 10 days mean. Could have meant real 10 days. Could have meant 10 years. Could have meant, I don't know, maybe we'll ask Jesus when we get there. The point was you're going to have suffering, but it's going to end. It's going to end at a certain point. There is an end to the suffering that is coming. So do not fear it. Now let me tell you something. I don't like to be uncomfortable. Guys, I do not like to be uncomfortable. I've already shed my scarf today because I do not like to be uncomfortable, right? And so it just blows my mind to think about what so many people in our world are dealing with what so many people are suffering and going through and what the people in the church of Smyrna were suffering and going through and God was reminding them listen you are about to suffer a lot of things but there's going to be an end to it there is going to be an end and I wish I could say 10 days is all you got to make it 10 days I don't it could be it could be longer But there is an end to the suffering. In Matthew chapter 4, it says, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus looks at the devil and he says, Away with you. Away with you, Satan. And then it says, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Listen, at some point, there's going to be an end to the suffering. I wish I could tell you what it was going to be, but I don't know. I don't know what kind of prison that you're in right now. I don't know who's against you or what you're facing. I do know that Jesus is with you and that he's never left you and that he understands. How do we know that he understands? In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, verse 14, Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast. Our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. Listen, the beginning Jesus says, I'm here before, I'll be here after. In the middle, he's like, things is about to go wrong. You're about to suffer, but there's going to be an ending point to it. Hold fast. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give in. And he could say that because he knew. Remember, and when you read this with a Bible that has the red letters in it, these words are written in red. Jesus was speaking directly to these churches. He could tell them, hold on, because he understood. He knew temptation, and he had persevered through it. He knew suffering and had endured. He understood. We do not have a Savior who does not understand. We may have people around us who do not understand, but our Savior does. You may be in the middle of some suffering and some things that you cannot even put words to, that you cannot explain to other people. People may look at you and be like, what is wrong with you? Doesn't look like anything's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? And you can't even put words to it. But Jesus wants you to know. He understands. And it will not last forever. Hold fast. Stay faithful. The devil will leave. He is with you. At the end of this little section, he says He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt. By the second death. In every single one of these letters, he says, he who has an ear to hear, hear. Which harkens back right to Mark chapter 4. Right after Jesus had talked the parable of the sower, he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. This is, this is a reminder that Jesus connects with us. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Let me tell you something. We got lots of people with ears and not a lot of people who hear. Children, right? My favorite is when I'm like, say my child's name over and over again. And then I say, I know you can hear me. And then they say, huh? What? So you didn't know your own name, but you knew when I said, I know you can hear me, right? Listen, we got a whole lot of people right now that got a lot of ears and they're not hearing nothing. And Jesus tells these people, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Because he who overcomes will not face a second death. That's a promise of heaven. In the end of Revelations in chapter 21, verse 6 and 7, Jesus says, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Let me tell you something. It may not be done for us yet, but it was done for Jesus. He already has the victory, and because he does, so do we. So I don't know when the end to some of our suffering is going to come. And, Lord, I'm telling you, I don't know when the end to some of the suffering that the people in the world are dealing with is going to come. I was reading this, and I was realizing that these churches that we're talking about, they exist right now in what is present-day Turkey. In present-day Turkey, right now where Christians are being killed, as they're coming into their suffering, No and I wish that there was, and I wish that I understood, but I don't. But what I do know is that the word of God says that he sees, that he knows that he has the victory, that those who know him, who hold fast to the faith, who keep pushing, will not experience a second death, but will live with the hope and promise of an eternity in heaven. And so while I wish I could make an end to suffering, I am by nature a fixer. I could solve all the world's problems if I just had a minute, right? I want to fix things. I I just could fix things if I could. I wish that I could do that, right? I wish that I could fix your problems. I wish that I could fix my problems. I wish that these things would end. I don't know when they will, but I do know that Jesus says I was here before, I will be here after. Hold fast to your faith. He who overcomes will live with me forever. There is an end to suffering. I wish it was today. Jesus, may it be today for so many. Let there be an end to suffering in so many people's lives. But if not, Jesus, help us hold fast to the faith that we confess help us to hold fast help us to pray and lift up those who are under the weight of suffering that we cannot imagine help us Jesus when it comes down to it Smyrna hadn't done anything wrong most every other church in here had He has no correction for them. Just encouragement to keep going. And so listen, I just want to encourage you today. Keep going. I don't know what you're dealing with. And listen, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, I'm not really dealing with a lot. Let me tell you something. The absence of hardship in your life is not because you have done something right. It is because someone else has moved the hurdles out of your life. It's because somebody else or God in his sovereignty smoothed out your way. So if you are not enduring suffering and you are not walking a path of hardship right now, do not think yourself above those who are. Do not think yourself above those who are, because the difference between these seven churches was simply 30 or 40 miles. There were people being persecuted in Smyrna, and 40 miles away, they were not. It was simply where they were, where they had planted themselves, where they were at. So if you are not in a time of suffering, thanks be to Jesus that you are not. Now it's time to uplift and pray and help remove some blocks from other people's paths and help them to walk in healing and wholeness and in in some of their suffering if you can. Because let me tell you something, and I felt this burden on my heart. You may not be the one who caused injustice. You may not be the one who laid chains on someone's neck. You may not be the one who wounded them to the point of bleeding, but you absolutely can be the person who helps find justice. You absolutely can be someone who lifts chains off of people's necks. And you absolutely can help stop the bleeding that is happening in this world around us. So wherever you are, step up to your place. When it comes to these churches, if the shoe fits, wear it. If you find yourself like the people in Ephesus needing to be reignited in your fire, then return to your first love and be reignited. And today, if you are in a place of suffering and hardship, hold fast. And today, if you can, step up and bear somebody's burdens for them, step up and help ease the suffering. Because let me tell you something. Going through doesn't mean that you're out of his will. Oh, let me tell you something. Going through doesn't mean you're out of his will. It may just mean it's a Tuesday for you. It doesn't mean you're out of his will if you're going through hardship. And the same thing, there may be some things you're going through that are your fault. Don't blame it all on the devil. Don't give him more credit than he deserves. Some of us is in some places because we hitchhiked our way there. Right? Right? Because God said, here's your path on Google Maps. It takes 26 minutes. And we were like, nah, we just want to wander for a little bit. And here we are in some messes that we got ourselves in. But Jesus is still there all the way through. He is the beginning and the end. Some days we need correcting and some days we just need some encouragement. So wherever you are today, if you are on a path that is detrimental for your life, and your relationship with the Lord. Today is the day that Lord, the Lord wants to say to you, it's time to make a change. And this is not just a word for teenagers who are doing bad things. Let me tell you something. Grown-ups get to a place where we think because we're grown, we're entitled. And therefore, we don't have to answer to the same things. Let me tell you something. The Bible calls us all to be Holy. And just because you don't have nobody spying on your Instagram doesn't mean that somehow you aren't facing the same struggles that this generation faces. So listen, today, if you are walking down a path that is detrimental to your relationship with the Lord, if you are making choices that are leading you off path, today, Jesus says, it is time to get it right. It is time to make correction. It is time to do what you need to do to get back on track with Jesus Christ. And today, if you are walking through some dark times and some suffering, If people are against you, if things are against you, if things are not going the way that they should and you are suffering, Jesus today says, I see you and there will be an end. Hold fast. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Each day we have a choice to hear and to overcome. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And we're going to end today with a little bit of a declaration. Um, with the song, Ain't No Grave. It was a perfect song for today. He is faithful. In 1 Peter 5, 8 through eleven, It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you, have suffered a while. Protect, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever. This is what I want to say today as we kind of come to an end. Today I pray that he would begin to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Settle you. Strengthen you. Establish you. We need to be on a daily basis praying for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted for their faith. We do not know persecution the way that they know it. We need to be praying for those who are suffering the ultimate persecution and not be blind to the fact that it is happening in our world. That people are being persecuted. We also need to pray that persecution of all peoples of all faiths should end because there are people who are dying and they do not know Jesus Christ because they are being attacked by other people. And we need to pray that the gospel will reach people before they come to an end. We need to be praying that the gospel of Jesus Christ is spread and that every person has a chance to hear and that suffering can end. It is important That we not become blind to what is happening. Because in these verses, in every single chapter, it says, He that has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This letter was written to Smyrna. The letter in Ephesus was written to Ephesus. But it is for all churches, all people to hear and know. So we must not become deaf to the cries of the people in the world around us. We must not become deaf to the people who are crying out for mercy and in need of a Savior to come in and rescue them. We must not become deaf to them, and we must not become deaf to the Spirit of God speaking to us that tells us, hold fast in your suffering, hold fast in your struggle. I had someone last week text me, and they said, I know that I'm not going through as much as other people. Oh, what a lie from the enemy right there. Because the enemy will try to tell you that your suffering is not really suffering because it's not what somebody else is going through. And somebody else is going through more than you. So you should just suck it up and deal with it. What a lie from the enemy. If you are suffering today, it's okay to say and know. It's hard. And Jesus is with you but here's the hope that we have because remember how he started his letter to the people in Smyrna he said to them these things say the first and the last who was dead and came to life this these words come from jesus christ Who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was before, who is today, who will be tomorrow, who was dead and who is now alive, who sits at the right hand of the Father waiting for when he can come down and call his people home, who is not some Savior who sits and is unaware of our troubles, but he who was tempted and overcome knows everything that you have been through. He is not forgetful of you. He is mindful of you. He who creates The heavens and the earth who came down, bore himself as a child and walked upon this earth, a perfect life. He is mindful of you. He sees you. He sees your poverty. He sees your hardship. He sees your struggles. He sees you and he is with you. And he says to you, hold fast. Hold fast to that confession of faith because he who overcomes will be with me forever. You have the strength to overcome because you serve a God who conquered death, hell, and the grave and who has the victory. So listen, today we're going to end by singing this song, which I love, Ain't No Grave, going to hold me down. Because let me tell you something, one day an earthly grave will hold all of us down. It will hold our bodies down. But our spirits live with Jesus Christ in heaven. And no grave... No grave, no suffering, no struggle, no hardship, no person, no place, no thing can separate me from Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can come my way that separates me from the power that conquered the grave. The same power that conquered the grave, it lives in you. It lives in me. So listen today, I want us to stand where we are. Oh, revelation. What a complicated piece of the Word of God. Complicated and yet simple in its roots. Because today, what it comes down to is He wants to remind all churches, He wants to remind you today that He sees you. He sees you, He knows you, He has never left you, He was here yesterday, He's here today. He will be here tomorrow because he has conquered the grave. You can conquer anything that comes your way. So hold fast to that confession of faith. Listen, guys, Tuesdays ain't cute. They come. And sometimes they come with a force. And sometimes we walk through the hardest of hard things. And for so many of you in here, I've known you for a very long time some of you for a shorter amount of time but so many of you in here I know and you have walked through suffering you have lost people you have grieved you have lost parts of yourself and yet here you are oh but God oh but Jesus there is no grave that can hold us down because he lives forever So let's end today with a positive confession that says, I am alive in Christ Jesus because he is alive in me. And whatever I am going through, it will not hold me down. I will hold fast to the confession of faith. I will stand firm in Jesus Christ. I will have ears to hear. I will be an overcomer in Christ as he has overcome. I will keep going. Nothing can hold me back. Not this momentary affliction because Jesus promises there will be an end to my suffering and he is there for me.